Welcome to Seahawks Man to Man podcast powered by The Athletic. Shout out to the company. My name is Michael Sean Dugar. I'm here with my co-host Christopher Kidd. Make sure you follow us both up on The Tweet Machine. Make sure you remind Chris that it is called The Tweet Machine so that when he refers to it as The Tweet Machine, he can get a verified blue check on The Tweet Machine. Chris, talk to him. What is up, everybody? It's your boy Christopher Kidd. You can follow me on Twitter at CKIDD206 and that's CKID206. Chris, you called it Twitter. Man, we we have gone over this for the last I think month, and I'm, you don't have blue check, and you want <laughs> stubborn. It's cool. Tw- it's Twitter cool. is taking a hiatus of verifying folks. So I think e- I don't know if that's still the case anymore. So, but well, I got connections. I'll ask a few people. Oh, I got connections now. It's like that Chris <laughs> Broussard sources man. My sources say, all right, cool man. Trust trust your gut. Uh, because we got a special guest in studio uh, with us. Uh, love uh, his takes on his uh, website, but I love him on Twitter uh, as well. Gotta love the take machines. Uh, these days but uh the homie from nbc sports northwest we got joe fan joe what up hey what's up fellas appreciate the invite man fun to be here and talk shop oh yeah let's let's do it we're gonna talk some seahawks obviously because it's a seahawks man-to-man podcast now it's man-to-man-to-man uh but we have to joe start with one of my favorite things one of my one of my favorite twitter follows in seahawks twitter um, I have different favorite follows for different reasons. Like when I want to see like other fan bases get mad, I would, you know, Ben Baldwin. Uh, there's some other, you know, when I want something really, really funny, sometimes Mina Kimes helps. And when I want a good food take, Joe Fan is the guy to go to. If you guys do not follow Joe, Joe, are you verified? I am. Yeah, oh, I think so. Well, I think, yes. Yeah. Yeah, just, <laughs> I, you know, what's, what's your Twitter, Joe? Uh, Joe underscore fan. With two ends, right? Two ends. All yep. right. Joe is the king. I, w- I say this not lightly. Joe is the king of the food takes. Uh, just before we just uh, came on, we were kind of running down the ones that have just pissed people off because Twitter is the place where people like to argue and, and get angry. And Joe, let's. I want to run some of these down because I hadn't. I knew of them, but when you said them all at once, I was like, "This is this is fantastic." So you don't like sushi. No, I don't really like seafood in general. It tastes like it smells, and it smells gross. <laughs> okay, we got no and seafood. As a Seattle native, that sets people off real oh, quick. No, no, I get it. And yeah. as long as you know that's why it's setting people off, yep. that, that's fine. You, you, uh, you've never had a McDonald's burger? Uh, no. I, I, so I didn't want to tell this story before we went on. I had, I've had one. Okay. And wow. so I grew up, I went to McDonald's all the time, like before, after baseball practice, after baseball games, like when we were moving around. It was always McDonald's. And I've probably eaten thousands of chicken McNuggets in my life. <laughs> and then I shifted to, to when I was in high school, I was all about the dollar menu and crushed McChickens. And at no point when I was going through the drive-thru was I like, man, McDonald's burger sounds good. And so I'd never had one. And I put this out on Twitter and people were like, that's insane. They, they thought I was like a, uh, a fast food snob, which I'm not. You know, like I go to Mickey D's, but like chicken McNuggets are just so good. I don't even care if it's mystery meat. I've crushed them. Uh, and uh, and so finally, we were on this wild goose chase to try to get to Green Bay where our flight was canceled. Mike, you remember this. Oh, we yeah. were all over the oh, place. Yeah. We yeah. went from Seattle. Instead of going to Chicago, we went to San Francisco, and then we went to Minneapolis. And I was with uh, my counterpart, Lindsay, and then uh, with NBC Sports Northwest, and then Bob Condota and Adam Jude were on our flight. You guys came in later. but mm-hmm. So we landed in Minneapolis, and we're driving through – middle of nowhere, Minnesota and Wisconsin to try to get to Appleton, Wisconsin before the game, the divisional round. The weather is getting bad. I mean, traveling to Green Bay in January is never fun. And we're like going, we're all starving. We're going through the middle of nowhere and we stop at this like gas station slash McDonald's and we're like, all right, let's do it. And Bob was basically like, because everyone at this point knew that, you know, 
I'd never had one. And he's like, I think now's the time. And I was like, you know what? Why not in the middle of nowhere, Wisconsin, try my first bread? And it was like, as I expected. But I, th- I would go right back to the chicken McNuggets or the, the McChicken what did you order? instead. I think I got a quarter pounder. Oh, you went big. Yeah. With uh, cheese or no? This is important. Oh, detail. with cheese, for sure. <laughs> okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this is important. Detail. <laughs> you're going to do it. You got to do it right. So, a quarter pounder with cheese in the middle. Of, were you in so, Appleton yet? No, we were like probably an hour and a half, two hours at Appleton. It was like 11.30 p.m. in middle of nowhere, Wisconsin, and that's where I had my first my first burger, and it was fine. It was One to what ten, what would you rate it? I mean, it was probably like a like a five and a half. Oh, that's not great. Damn, that's, that is that's, bad. That's, yeah, that's, I guess that's my thing. You know, I, to me, like, you know, chicken nuggets, chicken, oh, it was so good. And then like a burger, like if I want a burger, like I want to go to a burger joint. A burger spot. McDonald's is a burger like, spot, no? It's no. Like, it's like, I don't think it's different between a fast food burger and like a like a, a burger. good burger. Yes. That's I true. feel you, Joe. I guess I'm a little bit of a burger snob in that sense. Like it was good. It was fine. Like I would eat it again. I'm not a food snob in that sense. Like <laughs> I'm really easy to please. Like people have like pizza snobs. Like I would eat gas station pizza and I would eat the best pizza on the planet. Like right. it's pizza. Yep. I always my my other food take is it, not my other but one of my other food takes is the the worst pizza I've ever had is better than the best salad I've ever had. So that's just kind of how Damn. I stand on. Pizza. Ooh, like, you can't yeah, really screw up pizza. You can't really screw up chicken nuggets. That's interesting. The best salad I've so where's the best salad? Is some fancy restaurant or something? Oh, I don't know. There's a place uh, down in the Bay Area where I used to live called Sweet Grains, and it's like these bougie salads for like 15 <laughs> bucks, and they were good. But the whole you get done, you're like, man, I wish I had a pizza, you know. But you gotta try to protect the bottle a little bit. <laughs> what's you know? the What's the worst pizza you had? Oh, I don't know. Probably some like gas station pizza or something. I've had some fair. bad pizza in my life. There's a lot of lo- pizza. Something you can or make some for frozen cheap. pizza, yeah, but like frozen. It, it's still pizza. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Yeah, that's, I don't. That's I'm, a good one. I'm still trying to comprehend something at McDonald's that everyone eats that I haven't yet. Uh, I'm trying to think of something. I've never had one of the apple pies. You ain't missing nothing. You know, it's, if you're gonna well, get dessert, you go McFlurry ten times out of ten. Yeah, no, I've you're had not, McFlurry. You can't sit nothing. up there and say, "Oh, I've never had one." Or even the little parfait joint. Yeah, thing. Like, I don't think I've ever had a parfait from McDonald's. Wow. I mean, yeah. it, again, it's fast food. Like, it's not like <laughs> gourmet. Let me get a parfait. Uh, what was <laughs> yeah. the other one? You've, you've never had oatmeal. Never had oatmeal. I always had cereal growing up and, like, never looked at it when I was at, like, a breakfast buffet or whatever and thought, like, man, I want to try that. <laughs> um, my other one that people, sets people off is I don't drink coffee. So I'm that's right another one you. in Seattle. People lose their minds. Like, Have you, had... Do you not think coffee's good? No, I think it's fine. I just, like, I don't want to have to depend on it. And, every, you know, there's so many people out there. I won't say everybody, but there's a lot have of people you... out there. Uh, especially in this city, who like can't function until they've had their first cup. Have of you tried it yet? Yeah, yeah. No, okay. I'm down. I don't really like hot drinks in general. Um, but like, I'm an iced coffee guy or cold brew guy. But Got it. Um, it's more like a treat yourself kind of thing. No, than, I feel you. I've only had coffee day. once. My dad hooked it up. You've only had coffee one time. And my dad add that creamer. I say, yo, this is slapping. Yeah, <laughs> and he no, was like, good. you want some more? I was like, no, nah, it's a one time thing, pops. Appreciate it. See what I mean? He just slipped in there. And he's not a hot drink guy too. Like yeah, another heard, food take. Yeah. I, I, I love it. I you have because it's like it always starts way too hot. <laughs> And then true, by the time like it's good, you have like five minutes to down it before it gets too cold, cold. right? That perfect temperature is mm-hmm. a small window. So you just put it on ice and you're good to go. That's you know, a and tri- you don't have to risk burning your mouth. A trick I learned because I did that. This you know the Seahawks games for people who don't know they have like a Starbucks station in there. Yep. Um, my homegirl, one of my best friends, she works at Starbucks. I told her I burnt my tongue on a a latte or whatever. She's like, "Here's what you do: you act for the kid temperature." And she, I was like, really? She's like, yes. Tell them you want a kid temperature on your latte, and it'll be ready to go. You can first sip, won't burn your tongue. That's beautiful. So if you do okay, that. Okay, that's a life I've hack. Been, I've been using that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Shout, shout out to my uh, one of my best friends, Imani. She uh, she put me on 
to that. So we got the don't like seafood in general. Not a big fan of sushi. Never had oatmeal. You have no desire to have oatmeal? Not really. No. I mean, like, I, if someone put it in front of me and was like, try this, I would try it. But, like... Oh, that's all it takes? But I'm not going to proactively be like, you know, I really need to... I don't, I don't feel like I'm missing anything in life, is I guess the best way to put it. Have you had cream of wheat? No. Oh. Oh, that would I, I would, a little bit. I would put that under... I, I feel them. It falls under the category of I don't see the need to have it or you try know, it. You don't need it. It's just one of those... It's a mushy-looking food. I get it. Have you, do you like grits? It's the same thing. It's all right, but like, I, you know. <laughs> it's a mushy, mushy looking food, I understand. <laughs> it's like, just like, this falls under the category, like, at no point will I ever crave it. Mm. So, from that standpoint, you know, it's not a hard line saying, like, I'd give it a shot, but. Which one of the, of all these, which one has pissed people off the most? The seafood thing, people in Seattle will drive people nuts. More than the coffee? Yes. Really? Because, That's like, you're from Seattle, it's the best seafood in the world. You don't like seafood? Like, yeah, it tastes like it smells, and seafood <laughs> smells terrible. That's such a bar. It tastes like you it know? smells. And it's like, there's some of it that's okay, like uh, some good salmon or some good halibut, right? But, like, would you take that over, especially for the price point? Like, fish can get real expensive real oh, yeah, quick. for sure. Would you rather have a good steak or a good piece of meat? Like, uh, so I would, uh, the way I put it is, like, would I eat some seafood? Sure. But I will choose turf over surf 100% of the time without exception. Yeah, given the two yep. options. You know, Steak for bad. 500 please. That's Thank you. That's a... Uh, you know, like, that's lobster is bad. expensive. Lobster is like, you go not to treat yourself. Like, that's a treat yourself meal. But why right. would you do that when you could get a big old steak, whether it's a ribeye, T-bone, filet? Yeah. No, I get... I, when I read your food takes, I'm like, you know, I love seeing people get angry because me, I'm just like, that's eh, whatever. You know, that's you know? the other thing. Is It's funny. I just think, I want, I, I'm down with self-deprecation. I try not to take myself too seriously. That's what I approach social media quite a bit. But like, the way people get so fired up, it's like, I'm not telling you what to eat. <laughs> like, that's, you know what I mean? Like, there's a difference between like, this is how I approach food, but I'm not telling you how to approach food. So you can make fun of me and be like, you have... A simple palate of a you know four year old or whatever like Damn. that's all right yeah. that's cool I, I'll own that you know I could eat chicken McNuggets all day long and be totally <laughs> happy right but like if you're like you know so I, you could tell me I'm missing out on stuff but no need to get upset you know yeah no that's that's fair <laughs> but people do take it that far though oh my gosh yeah. well that's just Twitter yes that's true it doesn't matter what the topic is that that's very true that's that's true uh wow see what I mean Chris. We had I don't to, know how to follow up with that now. No, I just, <laughs> I was thinking, I was like, we got to open the show with something fun. And I was like, it's got to be the food. It's got to be. It's got to be the food. Because we related to somebody just now with that conversation. It doesn't Absolutely. matter who. Well, there was a, there coffee, was a listener out there yeah, that is right the, there with Somebody's Joe. pissed right now that Joe don't like seafood. Yeah. Well, I feel we, you on the seafood not smelling great. Although when you cook it, it smells fine though. Like for the most part. Like you cook salmon, it smells good uh, for the most part. No, no one's in here. Yeah, I, mean, I don't want to be crowd. convinced. Oh, wow. I don't, I don't, I don't know about smelling good. It, it smells. Uh, the steak wow. smells better. This is, <laughs> I'll Chris, say that. Chris lives with a cook too, and this is this is crazy. Wow. Uh, I'm not saying the food stank, but you know, fish smells like oh, all right, making fish. But let's talk some football here. Josh Gordon has recently applied for reinstatement, and I think this would be a good opportunity for the Seahawks to go and get him again for three catches or something. I mean, he had a pretty impactful season with the Seahawks, whether it be on third down. He came up big. Joe, do you think the Seahawks should look his way again for the 2020 campaign? Talk about people getting upset on Twitter. I wrote a story <laughs> like a month ago when it kind of first came out that he was going to seek reinstatement. I mean, how many times have we gone down this road? I mean, you know, and um, my take was – the Seahawks don't need him um, because I think there's a depth to the roster to where if you sign him and you're trying to get him reps, there's an opportunity cost there of other guys not getting reps. 
you've signed Philip Dorsett, who you think can be a perfect fit for that number three role. Um, now, if they signed him, that's fine. It's not like a hot take. I'm not rooting against Josh Gordon. I, I hope that if he does get reinstated, he's able to figure it out, and this can be the time where he sticks. Um, because, again, by, by all accounts, he's an incredible teammate. I really enjoyed my time around him. He seems like a good dude who um, partially has lost his way uh, on a number of occasions, but partially maybe um, the victim of some rules that are silly in the NFL, which have now since been rectified with the new CBA. Um Again, that being said, I just don't think they need him, right? Like, granted, he came up big in spots, but he had seven catches in, like, five or six games. Um, and it's, it's crazy the degree in which those catches are celebrated. And granted, a couple of them were against the Niners in that Week 10 game, which were gigantic. He had the beautiful diving catch against Carolina, right? But I remember they targeted him early a couple times against the Rams in that Sunday night game on the road, and nothing happened. There were a couple times against the Eagles, uh, nothing happened. Um so I just I didn't feel like I was watching this dynamic can't miss playmaker that had 1500 yards for the Browns and what was it 2013. Um, so I think I just I don't I don't get the love affair with him from Seahawks fans. Um, but if they sign him, then great, let him compete, and that's awesome. But you know I, I think there are enough young guys on the roster in addition to Philip Dorsett that have enough upside and intrigue to where. You owe it to give them a shot. At the end of the day, also, like, Josh Gordon let you down last year. You know, like, and it's nothing against Josh Gordon, but you signed him. He was a big part of what you were doing because last year they were in desperate need of a number three receiver, right? Jerome Brown wasn't it. David Moore, I think, regressed from his promising rookie year. Um, So from that standpoint, like, you counted on him and he let you down. So are you going to invest in him again and put your faith in him again where – he has let teams down on a number of occasions now. And again, good dude, great teammate. Everybody loves him, right? I want to add the nuance of, like, I'm not rooting against this guy or think he's a bad person. There's another person we might talk about in this conversation, this podcast, mm-hmm. where I would have a completely different argument. <laughs> but And it is a low-risk move because mm-hmm. if you sign him, he's cheap. It's probably none of it's guaranteed. So if you cut him, you wash your hands, move on, just like last year. But again, I don't think they're in this desperate need for Josh Gordon given the other pieces on the roster. Even with that young, because I would say Tyler Lockett is the pretty much only veteran that has that leadership and knows what he's doing out there for the most part. Even with that being said, having a Josh Gordon helping a DK who physically those two are pretty much the same. I think he can learn a lot from Josh Gordon. And to your point, he could just be there for training camp and then cut him and, you, you know, no big deal. Do you think possibly that he could help out the other wide receivers with what he's been through? And I'm not, I don't even, I haven't met the guy, but I would just, probably assume that he's probably like hey guys don't do the things i've been doing but let me let me show you how to do this better and things of that nature you think he can be that positive role model for some of these young receivers i think there's certainly positives again i don't have a hot take about that if they sign him I would, it's not like i would take a twitter and be like what are they doing they're so <laughs> right my my take in my story was they just don't need him in my got opinion it. they they can just move on go with what they got like can he be an influence on dk yeah, but like DK has got as good a head on your shoulders as you could have, right? Like, yep. what is that real upside? Like, it sounds really nice when you say it, mm-hmm. but how does that really manifest himself? Like mm-hmm. itself, like we saw DK working with Russ. What is you know what I mean? Like, it's not say you can't learn from Josh Gordon, but like DK is well on his way. It's yep. not like he's this potential lost soul that Josh Gordon needs to bring back and say, "Hey, don't go down this path I went down," because there's been no indication that DK Metcalf would even veer a little bit towards that path so um 
again, I get it. I see the upsides and I don't have a rebuttal other than I just don't. What is that true upside, that true best case scenario? So, when there is, in my opinion, an opportunity cost this year that didn't exist a year ago. With uh, An interesting thing with Josh Gordon is that we never really knew what exactly he failed a test for um, when he was uh, handed the indefinite suspension. I believe it was, I'm going to get it wrong. I'll just say NFL Network uh, reported, uh, they had a statement from his agent, or maybe it was his lawyer. I'm going to get this all wrong. But I do remember that it basically pointed to his brother dying in November and him basically slipping into some some bad habits. Does that for you change anything in terms of the let him he let the team down aspect when the, when it's in the context of him a, a family tragedy? When it's when it's substances of abuse and performance enhancing substances, you know it's like the double whammy there. Mm-hmm. And again, without knowing the full story, like I am not condemning this guy and says he doesn't deserve another chance. I do think, you know, you still have a responsibility to your team. You know what the rules are. And does that add a level of sympathy and empathy? Certainly. And I think Josh Gordon has been done wrong to a certain degree of, like, not having the help around him, you know, the league shunning him when they could have built him up and supported him. Um, I mean, Josh Gordon has a background I certainly can't relate with, Mm. but I try to empathize with. Mm. But at the same time, you have to take responsibility for your actions. And I think Josh Gordon has, right? I don't think he's made excuses. Um, So, again... I'm not really, I don't really feel strongly either way. I just don't look at what I saw last year in games and think, my goodness, this guy makes the Seahawks a legit Super Bowl contender that they might not have been before. You know who might make them a Seahawks or a Super Bowl contender? I believe his initials start with A and B. Uh, well, if it's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's that guy. Uh, what's the, what's the, I feel like this, the AB thing's been going on for what? A month, two months, three months, four months, whatever. Long uh, time. A long time with the Seahawks. The latest is what? The NFL Network again says yeah, the Seahawks they... are, are interested uh, in him. He would quit. Actually, before we get into AB specifically, um, I, I think you wrote about when Russ said the Superstars thing. back Because uh, he said that on Super Bowl Radio Row or whatever, right? Yep. You were down there yep. at the at the Super Bowl. What, what did you make of just that comment at the time coming from Russ? I think there's... Part of it, when you just take the words for what they are, it's like, duh, right? Like, mm-hmm. star player wants more star players. But I think the fact that it was Russ, and we're going to get to more maybe more intense conversations that we've had with Russ lately, but it's just a conversation we weren't used to hearing from him, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we're kind of used to, like, life's good either way. Where now it's like, we need superstars. And so, again, like, what is he saying? They want more, He wants more good players. Well, of course. But at the same time, Russ hasn't spoken his mind like that in years past to that degree to where he's saying, I need help. We need more great players. We need to be, in essence, going all in and taking advantage of all these years mm-hmm. um, that that I'm in my prime. Um, so I thought he was right. I thought it was a smart thing to say. Like, and, you know, some people were like, oh, Russ should stay in his lane. It's like, are you kidding? You know, Russ is the franchise. Like, it's the most important position in sports, and he's one of the best in the world. So he owes it. To himself, the team owes it to itself to, again, take full advantage of those years knowing that, you know, Russ's prime is finite. You know, as magical as he is, as as well as he takes care of his body, this, you know, level of play will only last so many years. And so, again, if you are saying to yourself that, man, you could have done more, that's unacceptable, I think, is what his approach is and what everyone's approach should be. So um, I get it, um, and I think it was smart on his part. Following that, is this Seahawks roster ready to contend for a Super Bowl right now? I think the capability is always there. Again, when you have a franchise quarterback, your floor is so much higher than other teams. 
mean, how many teams are just like flat out like the floor, worst case scenario is eight and eight. I mean, like the Seahawks walk out the door for training camp and like they're a 500 team regardless of what happens. All the bad luck, all the injuries, barring Russ, of course, he'll find a way to get you eight games. Um, but it's really hard to judge a team that played, what, 11 one-possession games last mm. year and, and found a way to win most of them. But um, I think there are, to, for me, there are too many question marks on defense to say for sure they are a legit contender. Are they a contender? Yes. Are they a favorite? That's how I guess how I'd say, would they be a surprise if they got there? No, because they're the Seahawks and they're always in the mix. But are they a favorite? No, I wouldn't say that because, again, the defense was so bad last year and while there's reasons for optimism, I still think even in the secondary with the pass rush on the defensive line, uh, what's going to happen with your first-round pick and Jordan Brooks? What's he going to look like and is he going to be able to contribute immediately? There are too many wild cards and question marks on that defense for you to say with certainty the Seahawks are going to be there in the middle of the end of January and potentially February. I'm going to take a trick from Mike and have you put on your GM cap, and I want you to... If you had all the money, maybe one or two defensive guys you would say could make this team a favorite on the defensive end because, as you mentioned, the defense wasn't good last year for the most part. If there's one or two guys out there that you're saying, you know what, if I bring these guys in or one of these guys in, this team is going to go over the hump, who would it be? I mean, I think the guy, the names that are out there, right, and then we'll probably dive into these names a little more as we go, but Jadavian Clowney and Jamal Adams are two names that, automatically raise the bar of your defense. I, I think I had a conversation with Kyle Shanahan once when I was covering the Niners, and this is really stuck with me because I think it's so true. Kyle Shanahan, obviously one of the best, if not the best offensive mind in the game of football, right? Top five at least. Um, and he said, I can have a top, I can put together a top 10 offense without top 10 personnel. Mm. I don't care how good your defensive scheme is. You can't do that on defense. You can't have a top 10 defense without top 10 personnel. You need superstars, and I completely agree with that because I think, again, it doesn't matter how good your scheme is. If you don't have guys who can execute it, then it doesn't matter. Where like a guy like Kyle Shannon so creative offensively, you can create the misdirection and get guys open and scheme things to make them happen, even if you have deficiencies in places. Um, and I think that's really true, and you saw the the step the Niners defense took this last year and all of a sudden you get a Nick Bosa, and all of a sudden Richard Sherman is healthy, and all of a sudden Fred Warner's looking like a superstar middle linebacker, and you have, you know, D Ford on one end, DeForest Buckner in the middle, and you know what I mean? Like, that defense was great, but, like, Robert Sala was there already. It's not like they just created a new scheme, but it takes off when you have blue-chip pieces. Problem in Seattle is they haven't been able to draft blue-chip pieces, especially in the mid to later rounds in years past, well, heck, even the early rounds. <laughs> um, and you also just have a harder time getting those guys. like rather than, The best thing that ever happened to the Niners is Jimmy Garoppolo tearing his ACL because you get gifted the second overall pick. Kyler Murray goes one, you get Nick Bosa. That's not going to happen for the Seahawks. Again, their, their floor is too high where you're right. never going to be drafting that high. So you have to get creative or find a way to make it work in free agency without budgeting, you know, without mortgaging your future. And so to me, I, I maintain that it's bizarre that they've played this game of chicken with Jadavian Clowney over a potentially a couple million dollars, especially on a, a short-term deal, one or two years. Um, I think they owe it to themselves to inquire on Jamal Adams, right? I mean, those are, are names and pieces that get you over the hump. I, you need depth to weather the storm of injuries if you're a contender, but superstars win you Super Bowls. That's my opinion. I'm um, welcome to disagreements, but so again, when you don't have those blue chip pieces across the board, 
makes it a challenge. With with Clowney, do you think it was um if you're the Seahawks, would you have played hardball if he was going like, hey, I want twenty million dollars a year, like we heard? Like is that outrageous? I get not wanting to pay him twenty million, but like what's the alternative? You got kind of like a pass rush by committee at this point, mm-hmm. which potentially could be good. You know, like I get it, Bruce Irvin and Ben Smith, like fifteen sacks between them. Like that sounds great. Are they clowny? I don't think so. You know, Clowney had literally zero help last year, you know, outside of Q Jeff, you know, who, who played pretty well. But Jaron Reed wasn't able to, to get back to his normal self. Ziggy Ansah gave you absolutely nothing. So you could throw double team after double team at at Javian Clowney. He still, in my opinion, if you watch the tape, had, had a damn good year, you know, uh, and got probably unlucky from a sack standpoint. So, you know, when, when he comes down, he wants 17 or 18, and the Seahawks reportedly landed on, what, 15, 16 was their best offer. It's like, man, is it really that $1 million? Is that worth it? Mm. Like, I think the most overstated thing is cap space. Like, teams can always create cap always, space. Yep. Look at the Saints. The Saints have been in cap hell for like five years, and they just keep <laughs> kicking the can down the road and making it a tomorrow problem, but it works, right? And they yeah. are trying to maximize this window that they have with Drew, Drew Brees, Michael Thomas, a number of studs on defense, like they are trying to maximize that window where the Seahawks continue to, to ball on a budget, so to speak, so to speak. And mm. that's kind of been their approach. They've got a lot of names that, that fill roles that are intriguing. But again, given the diatribe I just went on in terms of, of the need for superstars, it is surprising to me that they have again played this game of chicken with Clowney because I don't there's no question that you are a better team with him. Where does Clowney end up, you think? I still think he ends up in Seattle because it just, wow. it just oh, makes. Oh wow! Yeah, I didn't think that coming after all that. <laughs> it just makes the most sense because he hasn't signed elsewhere. I don't think that some team's going to come up with a whole pile of money that he hasn't gotten yet. And I think if you're signing a one-year deal, familiarity is so big. You know the city, you know the team, you know the locker room, you know the players. You know it's being asked of you. You have more help this time around. You have the supporting cast from a healthy Jay Reed and a full season of Jay Reed, um, from Benson Mayoa to Bruce Irvin to Daryl Taylor. Um, you know, throw Shaquem Griffin in that mix. Who maybe look, he found something last year, right? You've got more help this year, and so I, I think for a one year, it just makes too much sense for it not to be Seattle, and and they still are void of that premier guy. And I mean, how often do you see pass rushes, like elite pass rushes around the NFL, without an elite guy, right? When it's just straight a committee, you see successful. Running games when it's a committee, but how many pass rushes where you're like, that's one of the best pass rushes in the league, don't have that figurehead there, that is a superstar, right? So that to me is like, is that gonna work? I don't know. Probably I mean, I get not. that the names like they had good numbers, but when you don't have the guy, that makes it a challenge. So who knows what's gonna happen? But I, I think I would still put money my money on Seattle. Wow, you did mention another guy. Jamal Adams, strong safety with the Jets. He wants out. He's done. He's fed up. He's looking at Dallas, Seahawks, you name it. Should the Seahawks take that risk and go for him? And what players are you willing to give and take and say, hey, we'll give you this guy for Jamal because we feel he can help this defense in the back end? Yeah, I mean, Jamal Adams is a superstar. I mean, he's three years in, has two Pro Bowl seasons and an all-pro season. He had more sacks last year than anybody on the Seahawks roster at six and a half. Woo! Um, he's a stud. And I get it, the market for safeties isn't what it is for a left tackle or a premier pass rusher or a, a legit corner, a lockdown corner like a Jalen Ramsey. But like you look at what the Rams had to give up to get Jalen Ramsey, two first rounders and then I think a fourth. So 
I think the conversation probably starts at a first rounder and maybe a mid rounder or a first rounder and a player, right? So you're talking a first rounder, maybe one more pick, and then they you know probably want a guy like Marquise Blair, who probably is the odd man out at that point. Um, they want a safety in return when they're giving one up. Um, I think Seahawks fans are a little bit jaded by the the Clowney deal, where it was such a robbery that I think there's this perception of like all trades should come that way. Blue chip talent's expensive. You know, think about it. Jamal Adams was the sixth overall pick. The Seahawks drafted 27th overall last year. The cost to go from 27 to 6 in any draft is Huge. really so astronomical you could never pay it, right? So, like, if you start there and understand, like, that's the level of player Jamal Adams, who, Jamal Adams is who has only lived up to the hype, then from that standpoint, it's like it's going to be expensive. Now, it won't be as expensive as going from 27 to 6, but you're getting a proven talent. And yes, it's going to be expensive. You're going to have to pay him at some point, $15 million a year, $60 million a year. But, like, at the end of the day, there are come opportunities where you just have to find a way to do it. Because right. what's the alternative? Not having superstars and trying to hope that that Marquise Blair and some of these other guys, these rookies, take that next step? I mean, that's what's been holding the Seahawks back, you know? They haven't been hitting on, you know, these monster mid-round picks or, you know, second and third-round picks that that make them contenders. So if you don't have that, while Russell Wilson's in his prime, you got to go find it. And if it gets expensive, that's what Matt Thomas is there for, mm-hmm. you know? Hey, Matt, get creative, make it work, and figure it out. And I, I firmly believe the Seahawks would be able to. So I imagine they've already picked up the phone. They'd be silly not to. Um, I'm curious what the, the price tag would be, but I think the Seahawks have the cap space to do it and have the pieces, whether it's draft capital or or young players on the roster, to make it happen. So would you would you do? A, I kind of heard you uh, hint at this. I want to make sure we got it clear. Would you do a first 2021 first Marquise Blair and a day three for Jamal? I think you do. Yeah. Do you need anything back? Like you need Jamal on a sixth or anything? No. No. What do you think, Chris? <laughs> no. Yeah. I'm, I'm. I'm. Yeah. No. They're good. You do that. Pull the trigger on it. Pull the trigger. That's gonna piss some Seahawks Twitter off too. You can tell piss people off. The Marquise Blair love is there too. Oh, hundred percent. It's, it's like two things. And I that's don't not, understand. And that's which not is to that. say again. You can say that without saying Marquise Blair's a bad player. If anything, that that shows how good of a player he is because the Jets would want him back. Yep. Like the Jets yep. would want him in the deal. Yep. So it's not like Marquise Blair is this throwing like here take Marquise too. Right. Right. No, he's a coveted piece of this trade because you're giving up a superstar. You want a first round pick. You want a promising player in return. I think Marquise Blair's got an exciting future. But I don't think he projects to be Jamal Adams, right? And I don't think that's a hot take either, right? To say he's not the best safety in the <laughs> league. So I get the, the excitement on, over Seahawks fans. And you could probably throw some blame on the coaching staff for not giving him an opportunity earlier and playing Lane O'Hill and playing uh, Tedrick Thompson ahead of him last year. But there's a reason why they didn't trust him, right? So I don't think it's 100% on the coaching staff. They had this superstar on the bench, and they just decided not to play him, right? It's probably a little of both where they were scared to play the rookie. They didn't do a good enough job of giving an opportunity. But at the same time, if you're a rookie in that spot, you have to build trust and have to be able to play within the system. You can't just freelance and go hit somebody and and get away from what your assignment is. So, mm-hmm. um, I But I do think you make that trade because, again, I think Jamal Adams completely transforms your defense. Um. How crazy would it be on a scale of like one to ten the Seahawks just sign A B? I think it'd be like eleven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why is that? Here we go. I mean, people are gonna every time everything you say, like, this is gonna upset some people. <laughs> That's good. That's you okay, know, like you ever watch stand up comedy, you guys stand up comedy guys yeah, are like yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And they preface a joke with like, I'm not sure how this is going to go over. And you're like, okay, here we go. Yeah. Raise yourself. We're like, I don't have a hot take with Josh Gordon. I completely have a hot take with Antonio Brown. I don't think he's a good person. Mm. I don't think he's a good teammate. Mm. I think bailing on his team in a Week 17 game with playoff implications in Pittsburgh is horrific from a purely teammate standpoint. Mm-hmm. I think how he handled things in Oakland is horrific. And to me, unforgivable. The What he put that organization through which, which all one? the different things, and he Oakland? goes with Oakland. Oh, Oakland. He goes a wall, and then he does this, and then he speaks out about that. Then he's not going to do this, and then the celebratory when he when he finally gets cut, and he's thanking God. It's just like it's like he'd been let out of prison, like and it won, you know, got his appeal and was found innocent. You know what I mean? Like it's mm-hmm. that, and it's like there's I just don't think there's any self awareness. That's a, that's from like that standpoint. Then you look at the allegations. You know, I think we've all seen the Robert Klemko investigator reporting mm-hmm. like some really chilling and disturbing things with him. I don't think he's someone who's well mentally. I would love to see him get the help to where he can be well and be a good father and be a good contributor to society. But like when you have a Seahawks team led by Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson, who are men of such strong values as men, as family men, as leaders, as fathers— as husbands, like, can you, I get there's always going to be a line of like, you can separate like personal from football, but like there has to be a line that you can cross, right? Like Russell Wilson is all about his faith and all about his family and all, and you can't look at Antonio Brown and say, this guy is following a path of Christ and is, is what every man should aspire to be as a father or a husband or a man of in society, right? Like, I don't think that's hot of a take, right? So to me, there's a level of hypocrisy there of like, if this is your standard, this pedestal that you put yourself on, but then you're going to go champion for Antonio Brown, who obviously is an unbelievable talent. Obviously, right? I mean, one of the best wide receivers of all time. I don't say that lightly. He is no, he's absolutely yeah. insane. But like, is this guy deserving of another chance? Like, has he shown a lot of remorse? I don't think so. This guy's Instagram living the police taking his kids. Like, I don't think he's... He's well. I don't think he's mentally in a good place. Um, and so, to me, yeah, it would be an ugly look. And I'm all for teams taking chances. And uh, obviously the Seahawks have, have shown no fear in doing so. But I do think there's a line. And I think Antonio Brown, in my opinion, would cross the line. You know what makes that interesting? Because all those things are valid. Uh, AB's, a lot of reasons not to sign AB. Uh, we talk about Russ asking for superstars. He has reportedly, I think this was according to John Clayton, specifically asked for AB. Uh, actually, and that's does my that, point. Does that change it that Russ has asked for this guy? With all that, the guy Russ is has still asked like, "Hey, I want that guy." Give me, you know, give me, give you know, me it's a sh- a sh- not a shame because the, when we talked to Russ, the 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 BLM stuff was obviously way more important. But I I would I, I would want to ask Russ, is that true? And then ask him the question, like not in like trying to attack the guy, but like just curious. Do you see a little bit of hypocrisy there? Of like you hold yourself to this standard. This person has clearly not even been close to that standard. But yet you are pining for him when he's shown to be a bad teammate, in cases be a uh, a, a bad human being in society. Like, I don't know. Like, to me, I lose a little bit of respect for Russ and, like, the values you hold yourself to. Like, so clearly you can draw that line between, like, well, this is just football. It's like, okay, but where is that line? What would it take, right? So... If he came out and was like, you know, like, and he said, 
I get it. I get why I acknowledge that, but like I think he's changed. I've had a number of conversations. He's been in therapy. He's doing all these all these different things. Like, okay, now you you are putting your reputation on the line for this guy. Mm-hmm. All right, and that's all right. If bad. you're gonna own it, like, I'd be okay with that. What if Russ is just like, man, screw all that. He can catch. <laughs> yeah, then I think I, okay, the but hypocrisy. like now I just don't take you as seriously from like a, you know when you put all your values out there for gotcha, everyone to gotcha. see and like who you are as a person, it's like, all right, well, but like you stand by this guy, it's poor, this guy who, you know, doesn't, that doesn't match. Right. So again, where is the line? I would love a candid conversation from him in that regard. Yeah. The, I think you can probably like project that same convo and that level of hypocrisy just across football. Really. Totally. Yeah. And college football. Totally. Too, and everyone to a degree has like this line of like, you have this, you know, kind of graph where like on one, uh, axis you have how good you are and, uh, on the other axis you have your baggage, right? And we all have a point where your baggage can outweigh your talent, mm-hmm. and then you get shown the door, right? But there is a line. So what is it with A, B, you know, right? I mean, because if he wasn't so good, man, it would be so easy to be like, yeah, that guy never deserves a chance again. And that would be the sentiment, right? Yep, yep. Um, like if, if Ray Rice wasn't on his way down as a running back, right, it's so easy to condemn him. Right. Because, like, you're getting rid of a running back who wasn't playing very well anymore anyways. But, like, look what they did with Greg Hardy. Like, he got another chance before he was let out of the league. Like, all these different things, right? So it goes back to what you said, the hypocrisy around the league. But to me, there has to be a line somewhere for everybody, no matter how good you are. And to me, I think Antonio Brown has surpassed that on a number of levels. A lot of teams drew that line uh, with this su- the subject of our next convo. It's Colin Kaepernick. You know, the line was drawn. It was just like we— what you're saying and what you were doing, sir, Colin, we just can't bring that on. That's that's not enough. Um, and you you worked for the Niners for how long? Uh, four and a half years. So I was there when it all went down. Okay. When, yeah. When's your first year with the Niners? 2015. So it was the Jim Tom Sula year, and then oh, the, the protest year. was 2016. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Actually, let's get into that real quick. What, what was that like being there? What were you, what was your position there? Like, it what was, was that like? wild. So it was the preseason. So I was basically like John Boyle. Oh, like, that okay. was my job. Okay. Um. It was crazy because not a lot of people noticed Cap sitting in that third preseason game on the bench during the national anthem. Steve Weich mm-hmm. noticed it of NFL Network, and he brought it to attention of uh, the uh, Niners PR, and he was like, hey, I noticed this. Can I talk to Cap and get a comment? Like, I'm going to run with this. And he did, and it, I mean, it just went off. And I think, I think it probably took off even bigger than probably what Cap initially expected. Oh, for sure. I think You know so, what I yeah. mean? I think there was a little bit of like, oh, man, we're in this now, and like now we're trying to like figure it out kind of on the fly. And I think Colin had some missteps along the way with how he handled some things. I think he would probably admit that he had some missteps. But, like, man, he stuck with it, and his message was very clear. His message was, his message was well articulated. His willingness to listen and have a conversation with Nate Boyer – I thought it was very admirable. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was insane. I remember being in the locker room and CNN was in the locker room like every week. Mm. You know, like it Dang. was, it was wild, um, you know, to be at the heart of it. But, uh, you know, it's crazy to think how much has changed, but also how much hasn't changed as well. One more thing uh, on that. Uh, our Tim Kawakami at The Athletic, I'm going to plug Tim real quick. He wrote about, I mean, ooh, Dan, that might have been him and Matt Barrows. Um, 
it was they wrote about the media aspect of it. Cause that's one of the things people say. Like, they don't sign Colin because it'll be like a media, you know, I can't cuss on here. What's a good word for it? Just circus. Circus. Circus there is the go. word. There we go. Um, well, I know it was initially. Did it stay that way, like, by the end of the season? I wouldn't even say it was. After the Chargers game, that fourth preseason game, it was wild. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, because that old stadium at Qualcomm, that was before they moved. I mean, it was this, this. It was a room no bigger than this. And I guess we're in this kind of confined studio. But it was, I mean, it was absolutely jam-packed, unlike anything I've ever seen for a preseason game. Might as well, might as well have been like Super Bowl media day. Like that's what it was like. Oh wow! But the rest of the season, like that team was just bad. Like <laughs> they weren't bad because there was a distraction with that. Like, I wouldn't say it was a distraction at all, to be honest with you. Like I don't think it took away from their preparation. I don't think Colin cared less about football because he was doing this. Um, you know, I don't think it shifted his. I think it doesn't have to be one thing, right? You can invest fully into both, and I think he did. Um, so I don't look back to those 2016 Niners and been like, man, what could have been? But, you know, Cat protested and the media circus and all of a sudden everything went south. Like that was that ship was going south regardless. So I don't think it was that bad. And I think he handled himself well. I think his teammates handled them, themselves well. I think Chip Kelly handled it well. I think the organization, to the best of their ability, handled it well. Um, so I, I do think that's kind of an overstated part of it. You know, and the Seahawks will always be linked to Colin Kaepernick. Uh, they brought him in. For, everyone probably knows. Let's speed it up real quick. So the Seahawks bring him in in 2017. They bring in Austin Davis that same day. Uh, then they end up going with Austin Davis, and Pete kind of uh, justifies it as, you know, he's too good. He's a starter. We got a starter. That's it. You know, whatever. We kind of let that slide. Uh, I don't know how we let that rock. But uh, <laughs> we didn't, actually. But we, I get yeah. it. And then 2018, they uh, call him again for an interview. Um they call him back before the interview, like, hey, man, what's up with this plan, this kneeling thing? Uh, and basically, he's noncommittal, like, what's up with that? Like, that's a that's a work, that's not a work question. What do you mean? I'm in for a job interview. And they cancel the workout. Um, and we got to hear from Pete, Joe, and you were on that Zoom call uh, however many weeks ago that was. And Pete spent a lot of time talking about Colin Kaepernick, kind of defending so- himself in a way. Uh, he doubled down on the starter comment. Um, he said, we, you know... I thought he was a starter, so we didn't sign him in 2017 with Austin Davis. 2018, um, I think I think I asked him like, "Hey, so to be clear, you didn't sign Colin? Did you sign Colin for non-football reasons?" And he kind of danced around that, said his plan was more seeing where uh, his headspace was, where the Colin was willing to <laughs> holistically. Be a, yeah, like where, was he willing to be a backup and all that? You know, never mind the fact that he knows Russ is on the roster, but whatever. <laughs> um, so Pete gave us this long thing. Everyone, everyone wrote about it, um, including myself, including you and. Um, I think you went the furthest of anyone. I think probably I did too, and you took it a step further. And just calling out the hypocrisy and kind of what Pete had to say. Uh, what what about what Pete said and kind of your understanding of the whole situation? You know, made you want to write that. I think it is. It's the hypocrisy. It's to to go to such lengths, both in the Flying Coach podcast that he does with Steve Kerr, and then again with us. I think we all know a baseline of we're not we're never going to get the full story from him. Mm-hmm. So like I get that, right? But at the same time, to feed answers that don't make sense to with such ferocity, right? I mean, he he continued to again double down as you say over and over on this. He, we just loved him so much and thought he was a starter. We thought teams were going to line up to sign him, and it's like Pete. I, I won't believe Pete is that naive, right? <laughs> like he knows the stir that Colin Kaepernick caused around the league and with fans in the NFL. And 
there were not going to be any teams, very few, if any, lining up to sign him at all, if not a starter. And so when you then you regret it, and then you say, okay, well, what about now? And he said, well, we're still we're good with Gino. And this is nothing against Gino, but but can you say for sure that Colin Kaepernick wouldn't beat out Gino Smith without without seeing competition? No. So when your whole program is based on competition, you just said you regret it, and you you've loved him up as a person and a player, and mm-hmm. his bravery, and how much you know everyone owes him a tremendous amount, which is something he said in the the podcast. Yep, yep. yep. So you were acknowledging all these different things, but yet you still stand behind like not needing him as a football decision. And so to again to that, and that's not to say the Seahawks are more at fault than other teams. That's what so like everyone they hear the biggest critiques of that story. Why are it's all the Seahawks' fault? Well, it's not all the Seahawks' fault, but I cover the Seahawks. And what I think about the Seahawks is independent from what other 31 teams are doing. And I, right. I said that in the story. And then two, you're writing about something. You don't even know the facts. You don't even know the full story. Like you're, you know, making assumptions. And I think that's it's the ex- exact opposite. I'm not making assumptions. I'm just reading from what he's saying. There's so many plot holes to where if you're not going to give us the full story, don't feed us all these things that don't make any sense, right? right. So I think... And there, are, I laid out a number of reasons of why. Okay, this, this is maybe why it didn't work out. And right, like, would he have been a real good backup to Russ? Like, would he have been a supportive number two to try to help Russ be the best he can be? Who knows, right? I mean, Cap was a big figure, and um, you know, personality wise, there might have been a leadership struggle. I mean, who knows? Again, we can go down that whole list and talk all day about. It. But again, it was the like. Pete going to bat so hard. And another rebuttal. Well, Pete's just trying to love him up and, and help him out. You know, maybe other teams will be interested. It's like, that didn't work in 2016. So like, why would it work now, right? <laughs> like, every, so again, how easy is it for all 32 teams to say, we stand behind Cap. We think he deserves a job. We support him. Okay. Like, how hollow is that at this point when we're, you know, four off seasons later and the Seahawks have had four opportunities, 16, 17, 18, 19, or 17, 18, 19. So those are fourth offseason with an opportunity to sign them, and they haven't come to the plate once. So at this point, like, okay, your support is empty. Right. You know? And tell your, you know, when you're in a position to take action and provide that opportunity, but you're unwilling to, you saying how big of a fan you are of Colin Kaepernick and how amazing he is, and you wish he got to see him play football all these years and deserves a job and this, that, and the other. But then you don't take action. I mean, again, it's just to me, it's lip service and it's all hollow. Yeah, I mean, I'd feel a way if someone was like, you know, Mike's a great writer. You know, I've always loved his stuff. You know, and, I'm, and their editor of newspapers just won't hire me. It's like, wait, man, just... I need this gig, man. <laughs> you know, I got uh, the, the the story that Joe's referencing. It's uh, called Pete Carroll's explanation of Colin Kaepernick and the Seahawks is incomplete. And I think I quote tweeted it when you dropped it on this June twelfth. And I think it's very important to say you're taking Pete's word at face value. And if you do that, there's holes. Yeah, but we know there's probably more to it than we can know. But if totally. you take his word at face value, it'll make no damn sense. And to me, that's why I try to lay out all <laughs> these different <laughs> options of like what could have gone wrong. But again, why it doesn't make sense given what he is saying. So, you know, I think it's just you know, and then the other people who want to rebuttal, like they want to talk for Cap. Well, he's not willing to be a backup. Well, he's too expensive. Like, do we know that? Yeah, he's never. Do we come know? Out said that. Nope. Like, and what's crazy to me is like, and like there's this people he doesn't even want to play. <laughs> Let's say he doesn't, right? Just pick up. Like it's so easy to get your team. We picked up the phone. You can even like. Let's say he was too expensive, right? Like all you have to do is say that. We try to come to terms. It, we couldn't make it work financially, and then like to not throw cap on the bus. And we think he's worth every penny. Boom. 
Boom. And yet, I don't think guys not wanting to play has been a deterrent. I think they called Jay Cutler out of retirement uh, when Tannehill tore his ACL in whatever wild. year that was. It's wild, right? It's like the fact that no team even has the courage to pick up the phone and find out, right? Everyone's like, well, let's hear it from Cap. I'd love to hear from Cap. But like that doesn't change <laughs> the fact that like teams should at least pick up the phone and find out. Yeah. You know? Like we need to stop making assumptions of what Cap wants. And while, yes, it would be great to know that exactly what he wanted and would he be willing to be a backup, which teams would he be willing to be a backup. But it goes back to after his workout, he said, I'm ready to interview with any team. You you yep. quoted that when we were in that thread. I appreciated you chiming in. It's like, and no one picked up the phone. That's the end of the conversation. Yeah. You know? Until you can, some team is willing to pick up the phone and figure it out, then all of this support is moot point. You know, another person we heard from on Kaepernick, but more on what's going on around the country. Uh, George Floyd, uh, the rest, uh, unrest, the protests, riots even. We heard from Russell Wilson. And Russ has had, I think, a fascinating journey. You're with the Niners at 2016, like we just talked about. But Russell, you know, he was he was on record, you know, back then, t- talking about Colin. I think he even, he went as far to say, like, Everybody's lives matter. Like that was Russ. All like, lives matter. Yeah, he he was he was that guy. He sounded very much, uh, if you don't know, like Drew Brees. You know, Russ has a a quote I pulled up the other night where he basically talks about the reasons he stands for the flag and why he loves the flag. And he talked about some people he knows that served and living in San Diego in the off season. It was very Drew Brees like. And uh, did you watch the ESPYS? I did not. I missed. I was hanging out with the fam. Father's uh, Day, but he, I heard it was good. I saw some of the videos. Yeah, so you at least saw Russ in like a Black Lives Matter yeah. shirt, and most important, you saw him on that Zoom um, with us, and it was very. It was a different Russ. It was not Russ, the quarterback. It was Russ, the black man, which is very. Those are two different people. Or Russ, the like. corporate spokesperson. Yeah, yeah. Or, for you know, whatever. A million yeah. sponsorships. What What did you just kind of make of seeing Russ in that way on that Zoom call? I think a lot like what we we had t- chatted about it afterwards because I was curious to gauge your opinion when we got off. It it did feel less canned, less quarterback speaking, just authentic, right? Like I feel like when he said, "My heart hurts right now," you felt it, right? It wasn't just words. I think you could see the emotion behind it. And when he's telling his personal stories about being with his dad at a gas station or just after this winning a Super Bowl, being at breakfast and thinking some guy's kidding me so like you know you don't belong here or whatever it's like haha like oh you're serious like what that was baffling right but you know again i think i think even for russ or you get to the point where it's like as much as things change they stay the exact same mm-hmm. you know and i think that is what's so exhausting for I'm sure Russ and every black person in America and, and so many people who are so frustrated with this and the, the hundreds of thousands who are protesting throughout the country, nothing changes, you know? You're just banging your head against the wall and nothing happens, right? So um, I felt that. I guess that's the best way I can say it is, you know, I think Russ is the king of cliches and quarterback speak and you get why, you know, to a degree. And right. a lot of players are and, maybe, you know, Russ just does it maybe more than most, but... There was certainly an authenticity and a, a, a poignancy. Is poignancy a, a word? It is now. It is. They, we the, make up words. Words, words were poignant. Yes. AKA there was a poignancy to it. <laughs> um, that again, I agree with you. I felt like I didn't. I hadn't seen that side yet before. There's, there's uh, people keep asking me, and I don't have a great answer for it. What do you think? Because you worked for the Seahawks before working for the Niners, right? 
Yeah, I, I was an intern in 2012 for the Seahawks, and then I worked for the Titans for a year, and then I went to the Niners, and then now back my first year with the network uh, with NBC. So you were, I'd say that, so you were around Russ. You know, you His know, rookie year. Early on. Yeah. Uh, and you've been around the league, so you obviously, you know, have been following Russ. What do you think is the, why there's been that, like, change from, like, the 2016 or even 2017 to what we saw, like, on that Zoom call and kind of what we're seeing now on social media and even at the ESPYs? I think there's probably a bit of a confidence thing there. You know, where he's more comfortable with who he is. He's more confident in his power and what his voice can do. Um, you know, I think early on, Russ, it's very image-centric of, like, this is who I... Not that it's not real, but, like, I want to be this person for everybody, right? But now that, like, the Seahawks are his team. He is the guy. He is a top three player in the NFL the biggest sports league in this country. Um, he has such a platform and, and such a, a voice to where I think he's just kind of developed that voice and, and developed the confidence to articulate in what he has to say without as much of a worry of what the response is going to be. Do you think that's at all tied to or connected to the way we've seen him kind of say the superstar thing or like quietly request Antonio sure. Brown? Like he's just kind of finding his voice in general. And when do you think... That happened for him. Do you think it was like getting rid of Mike B and Sherm and, and those guys? I think that's probably part of it. You know, I think it's hard when you come into a league and you really play well out of the gate. I mean, Russ was never like a bad quarterback finding his way. Yeah. He had rookie speed bumps, but he like tied Peyton Manning's record for touchdown passes as a rookie. Like this guy played good football in 2012. But when there's all these notions and like, you know, you got carried by your defense here. So you, I think that wears on you to where you don't necessarily have that confidence to speak your mind because you, you're tired of the critics and the whatever. And I think now he's gotten to the point where it's like, I am a baller. I am one of the best to ever do it, and I will continue to be one of the best to ever do it. And he says that without blinking. Um, and I just think there is a part of it becoming his team where you know now he can be the bigger personality. Um you know, so I think he was as great of a situation as he came into with how good that roster was. It's a really challenging situation where the quarterback's supposed to be the leader of a team, but there's no doubt to anybody that the defense was the vocal leaders right. of that team, and which is okay. But then it, people use that as a way to diminish what Russ was doing, which is BS. But like, also got it. I mean, it's easy to say, well, he shouldn't worry about that, but that would be taxing on anybody. You know, when people try to take away your, your accomplishments or minimize or diminish your accomplishments, so. I think he's gotten to this level where he's like proven everything I need to prove, and if you're not on board yet, like whatever, I'm yeah. not. Russ is like the the real version of that. Uh, that what's that Tom Hanks movie where the dude's like, "Oh, look at me, I'm the captain now." Oh, Captain Phillips. Yeah, yes. yeah. Russ is the yeah. Look at me now, the African. Cat. I'm the captain. Yeah, I'm the, I'm the captain, captain now. now, and he is he's damn good. Yeah, he's real top three. Where would you if out of the three, where would you put him? I think if you're doing an NFL draft. You'd take Pat Mahomes one and Russell Wilson two. Yeah, I'm not mad at that. Let's look ahead to the 2020 campaign. What's your prediction for the Seattle Seahawks and give us a record? I think when I went through, right when the schedule came out, I think I went 11 and 5. The beginning of their schedule was tough. Yes. Um, I think after the Buffalo game, I had it's like Niners Buffalo back to back, which is just going to be two absolute bloodbaths in terms of the physicality of those games. Um, I think I had them at like 6 and 5 at that point. Hmm. Or, but then I think I had them winning like five straight. Damn. <laughs> um, maybe it was 
six and four. Okay. Regard. They had. They go on a run then after that game because they have like home game or they have games against like the Jets, Giants, and Redskins, and then maybe the Cardinals are in there. Yeah, they are. So there's five games in there that, that I had this. Those should be wins, and then I I had them losing week 17 to the Niners. So I think 11 and five, exactly what they had last year, is what I came up with. But again, when you have coming off of a season where like they every game turned into somewhat of a coin flip. It's a really hard team to try to guess what's going to happen because yeah. I feel like they should win this game by a lot. They should lose this game. But the way the Seahawks play to where they're never out of a game and will play with everybody, but they leave teams in <laughs> and play with teams they shouldn't. You know, like yep. you look at the Bengals game, the Bucks game, all these different where— The Saints with backup Teddy Bridgewater, um, you name it. You know, so they are really a hard team to predict, but I went with 11-5. and five. Yeah, the Seahawks are in every game, whether they should or should not be. Yeah. That's a— that's a it's weird. You got to watch them to know. And but, uh, every other team is in every game against the Seahawks, <laughs> yeah. whether they should or should yeah, not. Yeah, it's 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 very strange. Uh, we'll we'll close with this one. I'm a, I'm a big basketball guy. Chris is too. We hoop all the time. Uh, I hooped with Joe uh, one time uh, with your uh, yes. What, what, what's the name of that? The league? Shrimp Shack Shooters was the our is our team shrimp name. Shrimp Shack. That is dope. So uh, this this is I'm gonna add some context here. I'm 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 five seven. I'm probably like a buck sixty, right? And I, I play ball a lot. I play with Chris all the time. Um, uh, Joe, how tall are you? I'm six three. So every guy in this team, every every team full of guys who are Joe's height and taller, all can shoot and handle all tall white guys. I was like, we are gonna dominate. This is before I even see any of you guys do anything. This is a little layup line. I'm like, yo, this is about to be real. And how many? We played two games. We played two games. We we really played one game because the second team didn't really show. But we played a good team the first game. And we ran them. Ran them. At, I'm t- this is a bunch, Chris. I'm telling you, everybody. Joe's got the strap. Joe's got the strap, and everybody has the strap, too. I was running up and down the court. I'm like, I don't need to do anything. Like, this is, <laughs> these guys are freaking nasty. Where, how do you know all those guys? Are they high school buddies? A lot of them are high school buddies. Uh, the tall lefty Alex we picked up as kind of a ringer. Uh, he went to UW, but he could have easily played D2 ball or small school D1 ball. Um, but we got a nice squad. And Monday nights in that uh, Puget Sound League is, is really good. We have a great competition, and it makes for you know super fun to have that kind of one day a week, one night a week, where you get that you know competition juices uh, flowing a little bit. But yeah, Mike stepped in was huge, um, and we we played a good team and ran him out the gym. Um, wasn't even fair, and it was it was a lot of fun. Uh, I bring up basketball because we always have this discussion in the locker room uh, between the media members. Because you're a big basketball guy, Ben Arthur. Shout out to Blue Check Ben. Uh, he's a big basketball guy. We always argue with Bobby Wagner um, and some of the other guys about basketball. Me, I think we're in agreement, Joe, that a media team. Right of me, you, we get blue check Ben in there. Um, blue check Ben, that's yeah. so good. Oh, it's great, it's great. Blue check Ben, you came up with that, right, Chris? Yeah, yeah. I like. Does he like that nickname? He... I can see him being like, "Shut up." <laughs> nah, <laughs> do, he... do we tell him about it? Yeah, he knows about it. We yeah. in the group chat, we be like, "Blue that's check right. Ben's in the building." He'll yeah. start laughing. He likes it. He's yeah, good with it. Yeah, whether he's he like guys it or not, stop. <laughs> yeah, but like, really, he's still, like, yeah. yeah. No, it's, it sticks I am blue no matter what. So me, you, blue check Ben. We get we get Tim Booth, the AP. Tim can ball too. You play with Tim. I had, yes, I played with Tim at an open gym once at the North Seattle. Yeah, yeah, I went up morning. there and played with them too. So we get we need a we need a fifth. We should be able to get Chris uh, technically because Chris is media. But even if we're gonna stick with our little scrum, we just we'll take Jude. Yeah, Jude's all right. We'll take we'll take we'll take Jude. I think that we could take a group of Seahawks hoopers. I'm pretty sure we can. Here's Ooh. where I think we just get absolutely smoked. Boards. Boards. The boards. <laughs> Well, like, who, who I think play, I think we could I think we could stop the first shot. I think we could D him up. I think we could score. 
especially if we're being honest about calling fouls, like you know, football players, yeah, they play <laughs> basketball. It's like. <laughs> Boom! Big old forearm or <laughs> hockey the rim, right? It's like you ever want to see the longest yard? Oh yeah, that, that's Adam just the extreme playing, example, yeah. Right, uh, but like everyone's played against football players, like they're like, "What are we doing here? Are we playing <laughs> basketball? Like, what, what's happening?" Uh, and uh, but it would be the offensive boards that I think we'd have a hard time getting rebounds. Just imagine trying to box out Bobby. Yeah, I, yeah, no, that would be. I'll be. T- I'll say. Let's say it's that. It's that's three us, of us versus. Let, cause they can get Bobby. Bobby's fine. I've seen Bobby play. We, we know they're taking yeah, Bobby. We can, uh, <laughs> they, we'll give him Russ. I've seen Russ play take uh, as well. He can they shoot. T- they'll take Lockett. Tyler Lockett. I have, I've seen like dribble in that like little IPF. Yeah. Um. Thing. Let's see. They. Uh. B Mac is apparently very good. Uh. As well. I've never seen B Mac play. We got to give him a fifth. Who's their fifth? I mean, probably David Moore, Quandre Diggs, Chris Carson shoots the oh, rock. Yeah. Chris Carson, though, he can't dribble. Well, there's somebody, <laughs> somebody else they always bring up. Apparently, Nas Jones is really what good. What about Trey? Seen him play. Nah, Trey doesn't no. play. Yeah, Tyler Lockett at one point put out as like his starting five. I can't remember who was who was there. Yeah, I think Quandre Diggs was on it. Was it? Wow. I know they play with DK as well, but I don't know if we should get him DK. We damn trying to get no boards. <laughs> wow. <laughs> at that you know point, what? like there is no rebound. We'll give him John Ursua. John Ursua because he plays. Yeah, he plays. Oh, yeah, I did yeah, hear. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he said he had a scholarship offer to Hawaii for basketball. I believe oh, that. He's icky as okay. well. Yeah, so I think we can take him, man. I think we're not as. We'd have some problem on the boards a little bit, but we wouldn't. Boards are about effort, man. You know that. We'd have to shoot lights out. (laughs) Got to make everything. Which on days, I'll be lights out. Ben can shoot too. Have you seen Ben? No, I still got to see Ben play. But my favorite part about Blue Check Ben, that's what I'm going to keep calling. Yeah, there it is. It's Ben. Yes. Ben loves to hype up his hoops game (laughs) and his speed. Ben feels himself. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that was funny too, the 40 yard dash. That was bad. Ben, Ben does hype him. I'm a big. Undersell, over deliver guy. That's a good way to do it. Like, I just like, are you good at this? Like, I'm all right. You know I'm what solid. I mean? Like, you go out in golf and you're like, are you good? I was like, not really. And then, like, if you play well, you know, at that point, it's like, oh, this guy's probably not very good. And they're like, oh, okay. He's like, he's all right. Same thing with basketball, right? Like, you're good. Like, oh, I'm okay. Like, if you leave me open, I could probably make a shot, but like, whatever. Ben is the opposite. <laughs> I'm great. Ben is like, <laughs> I am the fastest man on the planet. Could beat Usain Bolt in the 100 yard dash. And I could smoke Bobby Wagner one on one. Oh, that and argument's always poor, great. Poor Ben, <laughs> BCB is what I'm gonna start calling him. Poor BCB got absolutely roasted one day in the locker room, and I don't even feel bad telling this story on the podcast and put him on blast because he went after Bobby. Yeah, yeah. And and Bobby and Bobby. There, I really appreciate people who are good at bantering. Like, there's a difference in being like someone who's just like mean and abrasive, and like will just talk louder than you, right, right, and like just to like put you in your place, right. Everyone's like, ha- and then you're like, all right, whatever, like, and they feel like they owned you, like, and you didn't. You just talk louder. Right, you're and, like, louder. Yeah. It's just a waste, you know. But like, Bobby will let you get yours in, and like he just is like waiting, and it's just like bam, counter punch, and you're like. It, and and him and Ben kind of got going. He got Ben. He got Ben going. And Bobby will talk smack like a flat line. Yep, I mean, he yep. won't. He will. You won't bring him up. He is just consistent and will continue body blow, body blow, body blow. And Ben kind of kept like going up. Going. And we're like, oh Ben, relax, man. It's, we're good. It's all good. And Bobby would listen to every word he said. Would have like a oh, but that oh, but this and you know Ben started backpedaling and it was. It was wild. It felt like I was watching like a rap battle, <laughs> and it ended with like a big like, "Oh, damn!" 
BCB, you all right, man? He's like, I'm good. I'm good. I'm fine. I'm good. That was the that was, right? that was the day that Bobby said he would beat him. He would spot him, what, like seven points or something like that and beat him? I think he said he'd spot him seven points and Ben wouldn't score eight. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. Something like that. Yeah, he made it. He was like, I will score all of the points before you score like one. It's something, it was something to that effect. Yeah, oh, that no, it, was, it was bad. No, it was. Oh, yeah. I, was I remember I remember that. That yeah. was a bad day for Well, Ben is 0 of 2 or 0 for 1. Cause well, we haven't seen it yet. No, I'm talking I, about I, just, he, he said the same thing about racing after I dropped the little tweet. Oh, yeah, definitely 0 for 1 there. And then yeah, the poor so. guy to pull his hamstring on the race. <laughs> I don't even know if he pulled. He might I, just tweaked it. That was a tough. <laughs> I think. I think my confidence for our, for our media team versus them uh, is that I've I've seen everyone for the most part. I haven't. I've seen Tyler for the most part. I've actually seen Russ in a gym. I can't remember where that was. It was on the road somewhere. Seen Russ in a gym. Seen Bobby in a gym. Um, I've seen most of these guys shoot. Seen Joe play. Seen Ben played with Tim. Played with Jude. Like I have a good scope of everyone. Like Bobby's never seen any of us, right? So he's just talking because he's big. Yeah, right. That's fine. I've seen. Uh, he's seen me. Uh, but everything else, I, I've I've seen everyone, so that's why I have this confidence. I think we can do it. I think we'd be like the young scrappy team. It would be fun. Put it together. It would be fun. I oh, would yeah. certainly be down to try. I wouldn't back down from the challenge. And I just to see Ben guard Bobby, I think would be worth <laughs> that, it. Would I, be worth it. I'm, wow, that would and, not and go well. Just in case Ben listens to the I, Ben, I love you, man. You are my favorite, and I know we have good banter. Uh, Joe, I will give you buckets, bro. He's definitely gonna tell you to give you buckets. Yeah, well, I'm sure Ben could give me buckets. Absolutely. I wouldn't deny that. There's the undersell. Uh, there it is. <laughs> Send your stuff to the third row. <laughs> but yeah, Ben and I, I love bantering with Ben, man. It's because it's easy to get Ben going. Oh, man. That's. We're going to make it happen. Yeah. Post Rona, post season, there's something off season. We'll get it. We'll get it going. We'll yeah. arrange it. Find an LA Fitness or something. Rent it out. Bobby started talking about donating to a charity of Ben's choice <laughs> <laughs> if he was. <laughs> No, Bobby, that's a good point about Bobby Smack Talk. Peel oh. back the curtain a little bit. Bobby's very good. It, Even kill the whole time. It really just kill is. Kill it really is. Bob, he's a master. Yeah, he's good. Because it's not, it's just, he, has, he does it with this stupid smile on his face. He just <laughs> want to punch off his face. It's just this smug smile where he know he got you and you just like, God, this, yep. this is the worst. Just letting you talk, talk yourself into the yeah. hole. Yeah, yeah, he does. He it's lets almost you worse to let you talk because you're, you're. Yeah, no, it's that's a good. Observation. And then you do the oh, this right, but that right, huh? But this right, oh, okay. You know, all right, whatever. You know? I think one part of Ben's argument and uh, everyone who argues with Bob is the competition they played with in high school. Yeah, Ben and, said he's giving D one guys work, and he says, "Oh, you gave him work." He said, "But did you beat him?" He's like, "Well, no." He's like, "Oh, but you gave him work, but you didn't beat him." He's like, "I've beaten those guys." <laughs> And it spiraled out of control from there. Yeah, no, it was not a it was not a great day. I've seen both Bobby and Ben play. I, I I have a feeling I know who would win, but I think the Bobby disrespect was just high. It's it like, was impressive. Yeah, it was. It, it was, was impressive. It's very, just, very, it, very I would pay money to see that one on one game. Uh, Joe, man, we appreciate you coming on the show with us. Thank you, man. I forgot to plug that you're also the host of the C- uh, Talking Seahawks. Yeah, Talking Seahawks podcast. Yes. Where can they listen to the Talking Seahawks podcast? Wherever you find your podcasts, uh, you can find it there. So check this one out. And then uh, if you need some more content, if you're bored or on a road trip, uh, Talking Seahawks podcast, Apple, Spotify, wherever. Um, you know, that's where you can find it. And you got a run of like legends on the show as guests, right? We got recently? some fun guests. Yeah, we had a run. We got some of the some of the voices of the Puget Sound with Kevin Calabro and Steve Rabel, and then we did Kurt Warner, uh, Walter Jones, and then uh, just dropped uh, this week is with Steve Largent. So nice. Uh, well, sports are down. You know, uh, trying to you know for myself, I enjoy talking to people and hearing stories, uh, educating myself, and um, fun conversation. I think everyone would enjoy. So I appreciate the plug, man. 
All right, that is Joe Fan of NBC Sports Northwest. Make sure you check him out. Follow him on Twitter for the food takes, the hoop takes, the podcast, just everything. Uh, love it. Appreciate you, Joe. Uh, like he said, make sure you always you know tune in us as well. We're on Spotify, the iTunes, the Athletic. <laughs> shout out to the company. I got to give us a shout outs. Pay the bills. Uh, but make sure you definitely check out Joe's work uh, up there in the, uh, the upper echelon of Seahawks Twitter, a uh, top two Twitter uh, <laughs> across the that. NFL. Uh, and Joe's in the top of that. So appreciate you, Joe. I just want to say, yeah, thanks again for the invite. It's been a lot of fun, man. You guys, you guys crush it. I, I enjoy the podcast. I subscribe. It's part of my weekly routine. And, um, you know, uh, as kind of the new guy in the media market, it's been fun to kind of hear from all the different voices. And you guys are, are two of the best. So uh, this has been a fun conversation. I appreciate the invite. Anything else, Chris? Hey, man. Thanks again, Joe, for coming on. Is there anything you want to add before we shake? Hey, I'm all good. I got my piece out. Appreciate everyone listening. Appreciate you guys for the invite. Uh, good people. Fun conversation. I really enjoyed it. All right. We're out. From a time to your bag and a time.